In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One Thanksgiving, when I was in college, I went to visit my paternal grandmother, who, like many grandmothers in the world today, have moved to central Florida. And it was just uh, my grandmother, uh, her little dog Cricket, and I for Thanksgiving. And so we joined another family down the street from her. But you know how nice Thanksgiving leftovers are. Uh, So she decided that she was going to fix a small turkey breast for us to, to munch on as the week went on. And... I remember she was ready for dinner and she looked very nice and the timer on the oven went off and she put her apron on and pulled the turkey breast out and placed it on the stove and looked at it as the dog looked hungrily at the turkey breast and called to me, Andrew, what am I going to do with these drippings in the pan? Well, distracted from the football game, I simply yelled back into the kitchen, get a can out of the trash can. Uh, She had fixed some corn pudding that day as well as uh, cranberry sauce from the can. And so I said, just grab a can. And she carefully took a can out and placed it on the counter. And the dog continued to eye her as she poured the drippings into the cup, into the can, without spilling a drop, much to Cricket's dismay. Until she lifted the can and the grease went everywhere, she had retrieved a cranberry sauce can and had, of course, opened both ends of it. (laughs) Well, it is uh, amazing um, how one event can be the worst nightmare for one individual, and yet, like my grandmother, or for Little Cricket, it was the greatest wish fulfilled ever. (laughs) Well, you know, the second coming of Jesus Christ creates the same feelings in people. The same event for one holds terrible feelings of despair for the other, amazing joy. This is understandable. Because if you are a Christian believer, the second coming of Jesus is hope realized. But for the unbeliever, it spells judgment. In the past hundred years or so, uh, there have been many thoughts uh, concerning the second coming of Christ in in the church today. And uh, many people have thought, well, you know, it's not a real literal return, but it's simply that God's presence will make its return through our work, through the work of the church. uh, That we ourselves would usher in his return by making the world uh, a better place. But we see this morning in Revelation chapter 1 that John writes, every eye will see him. That this is a real event. That one day Jesus actually will return to earth as king and as judge. Every time we say the Nicene Creed, we just said it, we Believe that he will return to judge both the quick and the dead. And this second coming of Christ has significant implications for your life. Now, how many of us actually stop and think about this? You don't go to bed at night probably thinking about Jesus' second return. It doesn't plague you throughout the day, it doesn't consume your thoughts. But it really ought to impact your life in a significant way. And it actually will shape your life. Well, what is this doctrine of the second coming? 
The book of Revelation, more than any other New Testament book, draws upon Old Testament imagery. And here in chapter 1, verse 7, we have one prophecy with two prophecies behind it. The first one is from Daniel chapter 7, where Daniel prophesies that one who is like the Ancient of Days, who will be given a kingdom and dominion and glory, will come with the clouds. And then in Zechariah 12, Zechariah writes that those who pierced him will mourn when they see him. But the curious thing about the word mourn that Zechariah uses in the Hebrew is that's actually the Hebrew word for repent, to have a change of heart, to be turned in another direction. And so John prophesies, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Everyone who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Well, what is Jesus coming back to do? Is he coming back to convert? Is he coming back to redeem? Or is he coming back to judge? Is he coming back to smite or to turn? New Testament commentator Grant Osborne wrote that the nations of the earth are the subject of both mission and judgment. They are both to be offered the gospel in love and warned that evil, injustice, and sin will be accounted for. It is our task to participate in the former and let God take care of the latter. That's really hard to do. Because the default mode of the human heart is for us to be blind to our own faults while being incredibly aware of everybody else's. If somebody else lies, they're a liar. If we lie, well, it's complicated. Uh, We're always in denial. But the doctrine of Judgment Day, when Jesus comes as king to judge the world... It reverses everything. Judgment Day actually makes us aware of ourselves. It makes us aware that God will judge the world. It reverses our ordinary character and ought to make us humble and gracious and compassionate toward others instead of critical and in denial. Because in the end, no one is going to get away with anything. And so you can rest easy. Now, of course, we expect uh, that to be the case, that when Jesus comes, he will come to judge all that is bad and send it away and put it away for eternity. But it's something more than that. Because if we are putting our faith in Christ this morning, if we are one of those, as John writes, who is freed from our sins by his blood, then we can go through life with the assurance that God is in control that he is coming, and when he comes, he will be the judge. But what does it really mean for him to be the judge? There was a great bumper sticker in Beaufort that I would see every once in a while that read, Jesus is coming. Look busy. Well, when Jesus comes again, he will judge all that is evil and bad and sinful in the world. But it also means that he will set things to right. 
We read here that Jesus is coming with the clouds. Well, you know, when I read that, I have this image in my mind of, of G, you know, sort of like, you know, I don't know if it's like a divine missile, a sort of incoming, you know, where Jesus sort of comes in and drops in, or if he's riding in the clouds. But actually the imagery that John is using here is that he is coming with the clouds, which is an image of God's presence. Uh, Remember when Charlton Heston Moses came off the mountain in the Ten Commandments and his face was bronze and his hair was white like wool because he had stood in the presence of God? Well, even more the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God. When Jesus comes, he's bringing that with us, with him. And so that he will bring the very presence of God and it will envelop the earth and it will make all things new. Everything that is broken down will be made well. Everything that is wrong will be righted. Any injustice will be made just. As Psalm 96 says, Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So his coming judgment is not just a day of terrible distress of judging all. It's a day of great joy for the Christian believer because God has come to make everything right. It is a day of joy. Ever since the fall, ever since the Garden of Eden, we as human beings have been wandering aimlessly, looking for home. We all want bodies that run but do not grow weary. We all search for love that lasts in this world. But all of our relationships will ultimately come to an end. Even those who stay true will die or will die. We long to make a difference in our work, but we experience frustration. In life, we never fully realize our hopes and dreams. But the doctrine of God's judgment in the second coming says that all will be made well. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Everything has its beginning and end in Jesus Christ. Whatever it is that wakes you up in the middle of the night, whatever it is that plagues you physically, spiritually, emotionally, when Jesus comes back, you will be made whole. If you limp, you will run headlong into the arms of Jesus Christ. If you have trouble breathing, you will be be able to breathe easy because he will make all things new. For the first time since the fall, you will be made whole. My friends, he is coming again. And everything that has gone wrong in the world, that has been corrupted by sin, will be made well and right. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. It is a great and terrible day of judgment. If you're an unbeliever this morning, I, I can understand that despair. But know this morning that God's invitation of grace and mercy and hope and wholeness and healing and redemption is held out to you this morning as a free gift offered. So that when our Redeemer comes again, He too shall make you whole. And so as we head into this Advent season, 
a season of great hope and expectation of a Redeemer who will come and save His people. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen.